One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. church and uh, what an awesome time of worship and being in the presence of God this morning uh, together. I hope you sense the presence of God wherever you're at. And I love that song that we have been singing. Uh, The Lord is in this place. Not for a moment was I forsaken. And I can't help but think about Jacob as he's on the run for his life uh, in the wilderness, in the desert. One night as he falls asleep, he has a vision of heaven opening and uh, the angels coming down and he wakes up and he says, how awesome is this place? Uh, Surely God is in this place and I did not know it. And I hope that you are sensing the presence of God wherever you're at, that uh, maybe you feel forsaken, maybe you feel alone, maybe you feel isolated, Uh, but I'm glad to tell you today that God is in this place wherever you're at. And even as we worship the Lord together, we are just opening our hearts uh, beyond our circumstances to encounter the presence of God. So I hope you're sensing that this morning. And I'm so excited to get to share a word with you that I hope will encourage you in the moment that we are in. And I just want to welcome all of you again this morning. Those of you maybe that are in a house church gathering, shout out to all of our house churches, uh, all of our house church leaders. You guys are the heroes in this moment, and we are so thankful for each and every one of you, and I hope that you are having a great time, maybe eating some breakfast, uh, worshiping together. Kids are around, but we're so glad that you're with us today. Uh, Or maybe you're just tuning in. Uh, Maybe you're traveling, going to visit family for uh, the holiday uh, this week for Thanksgiving, but we're so glad that you're with us. Or even if you're a guest, joining us for the first time. We are so, so glad uh, that you're taking the time to join us today. And we would just love to connect with you. We've got some great things coming up in this season, and we'd love to share with you more information about that. So again, you can just go to our website, uh, fill out the connection card there. We'll follow up with you so that you know how to connect, whether you're here in the Orlando area or beyond. We're so glad that you are with us today. Well, if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it with me today and turn to the book of Acts. Uh, We're going to pick back up with the series that we have been in this fall that we are calling The Movement. And uh, we are studying the book of Acts and we are asking the question each week, what is church? What's this thing that we have maybe uh, been in our whole lives? Maybe you've been in for uh, maybe a year or less. I don't know. Maybe you've just jumped in uh, in this season. Maybe you're just tuning in online and you're like, church is different than what I thought it was. Uh, Well, uh, it's different for all of us in this season than what we have been used to. But we really believe this is a moment for us to rediscover the beauty of the church. Although church looks different than what we have known in the past, we believe that maybe it's better than what we've ever seen. And so uh, we are looking at the book of Acts because the fact is there's no better place to look to discover what church is than the book of Acts. It contains in it the story of the first followers of Jesus, the early Jesus movement. And that's really our heart to be followers of Jesus uh, because we believe that Jesus offers the best life that every single one of us ultimately and all humanity ultimately longs for. So I hope you will uh, be stirred in your faith today as we talk about what is the church. And we're going to pick up today in Acts chapter 3. And uh, we are picking up today there. Uh, If you have your Bible, you can look on or if not, just read along with me this morning. Acts chapter 3 verse 1. 
It says this, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter, and, uh, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, thank you that even as we are spread out, Lord, thank you. The power's not in the room, the power's in the word. And God, we pray that you would speak to us today through your word. Help us, Lord, to discover what you have called us to be and to do as your people. We thank you for it, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you are taking notes today, uh, I am calling this message Beauty and the Broken. Beauty and the Broken. Uh, you may be thinking, uh, is this message sponsored by Disney, uh, Beauty and the Broken? Uh, well, no, it's not sponsored by Disney, but it is a tale as old as time, okay? Um, but I actually want to look at this passage today and discover what is it that God has called the church to do? You see, in Acts chapter uh, 1, we see the church in waiting, so to speak, waiting for the power of God, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's the church in waiting. In Acts chapter 2, uh, we see the church in its essence, the, in the essential um, commitments that the church has, the, the commitment to the apostles' doctrine, to the breaking of bread, fellowship. It was the church in its purest form, the church in its essence. But here in Acts chapter 3, we could say we see the church in action. We see the church actually doing what the church is called to do. The church is not meant just to meet uh, together, but the church is, is called to go out into the streets. And here we find the first account of the church being sent out on mission, not just gathering together, but going into the world. And, and I want to draw your attention to this contrast in this passage between what the Bible calls the beautiful gate of the temple, this, this uh, beautiful entrance into the temple, the presence of God, the place of meeting with God. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about why this gate was called beautiful. Some people uh, suspect that there was beautiful art on the, this uh, entrance into the temple. And we don't know exactly, but we know that it was called the beautiful gate. But there's a contrast here between the beautiful gate and, and this man that Peter and John encounter who is begging along the road in this place of brokenness. And this is really a 
picture of the place that the church is called to live, that the church is called to live in this place between the beauty of the presence of God, life with God, uh, the, the place of meeting with God and the brokenness of our world. And that's where we find Peter and John in this place, uh, bridging the beauty of God's presence with the brokenness of man's condition. And that's what God has called us to, to be a bridge between the beauty and the broken. And, and so I want us to look at that. What does it mean for us to live as a bridge between the beauty and the broken, between the beauty of God's goodness, the beauty of God's presence, the beauty of God's kingdom and the brokenness of our world? Well, to, uh, in order to really address the issue and, and to understand it, uh, I believe we have to first adequately diagnose the problem. And so I want to look at this passage of scripture and I want to share with you a few things that I believe will help us to understand what is this beauty and what is this brokenness? What is the beauty that God is calling us to enter into and what is the brokenness of the world that we are living in? And, and I want to just unpack this passage of scripture, unpack uh, some things that I believe God has put right here in his word in order for us to understand what is the mission that God has called us to as a church. And, and I want you to see, first of all, about this man that Peter and John encounter. The first thing I want you to see from the scripture is the Bible says that it was a certain man lame from his mother's womb, lame from his mother's womb. We're talking about the brokenness, the, 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 the pain of this condition, this man's condition really is a picture of all of humanity. And the Bible points out that this man, later it will tell us that he's 40 years old or over 40 years old, but it tells us here that he's been lame from his mother's womb. In other words, Although he is beautiful, made in the image of God and intended for this beautiful life with God, he has been broken from his mother's womb. He was born into brokenness. And I, I can just imagine the pain of this mother, perhaps as her, her child was born or perhaps as he was growing up, that she began to recognize there's something wrong with him. He's not working the way he's supposed to work, so to speak. The Bible doesn't tell us a medical diagnosis, but it does tell us that when he's healed, his, his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. Another translation says it this way, that his soles and adjoining muscles were strengthened. In other words, the brokenness was in his feet. It was in his legs. He couldn't stand up on his own strength. He couldn't carry himself on his own. He was fallen. And I can just imagine perhaps this little boy or this man when he was a little boy, I can imagine that perhaps at the time when all of the other children were starting to walk and starting to run and starting to play, that at that moment, this boy who's become a man was beginning to recognize his own brokenness. I, I can just imagine him as the other kids are learning to walk and learning to run. And he's saying, Mama, I can't get up. I can't walk. My legs aren't working. And the, the brokenness of his condition from his mother's womb. And you see, that's a picture of the condition of all of humanity 
that although we are born for a life of beauty, we're born for a life with God, image bearers of God, but we are born broken in sin. We are born broken. The Bible says it this way, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, everybody has fallen short of the life that God has intended for them. You see, it's our brokenness that causes our falling short. And this man, as he was broken from his mother's womb, unable to walk, unable to carry himself, is a picture of all of humanity broken from his mother's womb. He was born in this condition. And that's the condition that all of us are born in. We're all born. None of us are better than another. We're all born in the same way. And as any person would tell you who has to learn to live with a physical limitation, they would likely tell you this, that worse than a physical limitation, worse than even the, the, the paralysis of his legs is the deadness of your soul. You see, when you are limited physically, you learn to recognize that the physical world isn't all there is. And what's worse than the physical paralysis is the spiritual deadness. And that's the condition of every single person that we are born spiritually, uh, physically alive, but spiritually dead, unable to lift ourselves up, unable to carry ourselves uh, unable to experience the life that all of us have longed for. We've been born broken. But I have good news for you. Just because we were born that way doesn't mean we have to live that way. doesn't mean that we have to stay in that condition. And so this man was born lame from his mother's womb. And the Bible goes on to say this, that he was carried daily and laid at the gate of the temple. In, in other words, because of his brokenness, he had learned to depend on others to carry him. And they carried him to a significant place, the temple. As I mentioned earlier, it was outside of the beautiful gate. You see, the temple was symbolic for the Jewish people. It was the place of God's presence. And it was the, the place that gave meaning and significance. It gave identity to them as the people of God. It gave purpose to their lives that they were to, from that place, they were to impact the world. It, it was the place of God's presence that brought blessing into their lives. And so they brought him to the temple because that was the place of identity. It was the place of blessing. It was the place of purpose. It was the place, we could say it this way, where we would experience, he could experience the life he always longed for, life with God, life to the full. And they would bring him to the temple, but notice they didn't take him into the temple. They always set him at the gate. In other words, he was there so close, but he never could enter into the temple. He could never in, enter into the life that he longed for. This is a picture of, again, the, the condition of humanity and really the, the world that we live in. Is the world that we live in is, is fallen, unable to help ourselves. We are calling out for carriers, someone to help us, carry us carry us to the place of purpose. And maybe we don't think of it that way, but it, it, it sounds like this. If I could just get that job, then I'd get to where I want to be. 
if I could just get that relationship, then I'd experience the life and the love that I long for. If the economy was just better, if we could just get this person into office or that person out of office, then I could experience the life I've always longed for. But the problem is we are looking to solve eternal problems with temporal solutions. And at best, all that his friends could do is carry him to the gate. They could never take him in. He could never experience that life that he longed for, a life of healing, a life of purpose, a life of identity, life with God. It was a external solution to an internal problem. They could carry him, but they couldn't heal him. They could never solve his problem. And here he was at the gate of the temple begging for alms. Alms it isn't a life of abundance. Alms isn't the life that God has intended. Alms is a life of just getting by. And that's what he had gotten accustomed to. He had gotten accustomed to being carried and dependent upon other people, thinking if I could just get another pick me up, if I could just get carried one more day, I'll get by one more day. And this is the world that we live in. And this is what the world tells us, that if we could just get another pick-me-up, if we could just find something else to carry us through, then we will get by. He had grown accustomed to getting by, but he had never gotten in to the life that God had for him. You see, the problem is that what carries us can end up controlling us. We can become dependent on those things. And if 2020 has shown us anything, it's the, the things that we come to depend on to carry us often fall short, always fall short of bringing us into the life that God has intended for us. They could carry him through another day. There's nothing wrong with those things. Certainly that would be a good thing. Certainly getting him there one more day will help him one more day. You see, oftentimes we look to things that are good things, but we miss out on the ultimate solution that God wants to give us, not just getting by, but experiencing life to the full, because only God can give life to dead things. Only God can bring healing to us. There's nothing wrong with getting a good job. There's nothing wrong with having a thriving economy. There's nothing wrong with getting uh, a more education. But at the end of the day, those things will never bring us into the life we always long for. It will always leave us calling out for something else, something else to carry us, something else to pick us up, something else that will hopefully get us by one more day rather than getting into the life that God has purposed for us, life with God, life to the full, life in the kingdom of God. And even as Peter and John approached this man, the Bible says that he was expecting to receive something from them, but he wasn't expecting what they were going to bring. You see, he wanted just another pick-me-up. He wanted just another thing to get him through that day. He thought, well, maybe these guys will give me the money that I need just to get me by today. He had lowered his expectations to the level that he was used to living in. He had gotten accustomed to that life. And he just wanted uh, another pick-me-up, another thing to get him through that day. He wanted something, but he needed saving. You see, oftentimes what we want isn't always what we need. 
or what we think we want isn't the thing that we ultimately need. He, he wanted to just get by. He wanted to just get through a, the day. He wanted silver and gold. He, he just needed to solve the immediate problem, put some food on the table, solve my problem today. But his problem wasn't just a temporal problem. It was an eternal problem. And you can't solve an eternal problem with a temporal solution. And so Peter and John responded to him and they said, silver and gold have I none. You see, oftentimes even in the church, we have merely responded to what people want rather than what they need. We, we have gotten accustomed to giving people what they want, just making them feel better for their, the day rather than solving the problem that only Jesus can solve. And so they said, we don't have any silver and gold. Now, let me ask you a question. What if they had some silver and gold? What, what if they had had some money and they just said, okay, you need some change. We'll give you some spare change. What if they had given him what he wanted and he missed out on what he needed? Perhaps that's the moment where we're in. Perhaps we as a church and the church at large have been used to just giving people what they want. And now we suddenly don't have what people want. Maybe it's an opportunity that we can actually give people what they really need. Not just a weekly pick me up, but we can help people to experience the goodness of God, the life of God that only Jesus can give them. And they said silver and gold I don't have. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I want you to pay attention to that phrase. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. What a little, uh, a little statement of the gospel, a statement of the opportunity and the, the invitation that God has given to every single person, all of humanity through Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Notice it wasn't in the name of Peter and John. It wasn't, we're going to help you. It was Jesus is the one that can help you. Only Jesus can help you. You see, if you ever put your hope in a person, regardless of how good they are, they'll always let you down. They didn't say in the name of Peter and John. They said in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, self-help says you can do this. You've got it. You're good enough. You're strong enough. Pick yourself up. You can do this. That's what the world we live in says. You just got to believe in yourself. The reality is, regardless of how good we think we are, at the end of the day, we're in the same place this man was, powerless to help ourselves, unable to lift ourselves up. Self-help says, you can do it. You're good enough. Religion says, clean yourself up. You're, you're dirty, man. You've been living on the floor. You got to clean yourself up so you can go into what God has for you. You got to clean yourself up. But the fact is that we can't clean ourselves up. People that have been living a, a life of brokenness, don't, don't be surprised when we're covered with dirt, covered with filth. And that's the life that every single one of us have lived. Followers of Jesus are no better than any other person. We're only people that have been touched by the power of Jesus Christ. Religion says, clean yourself up. The world says, well, just stay where you're at. Just learn to live in that condition. Just learn to see that world and the world that way. That's all that you can ever hope for because that's how you were born. There is no hope for life the way that God intended. But the gospel says this in the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus. You see, only Jesus can give life to dead things because only Jesus has conquered death, has been raised from the dead. Only Jesus has been dead and made alive. And the Bible says this, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies also. Only Jesus is the hope for humanity. There is no other person that can bring the hope that humanity needs. There is no solution. There is no president. There is no uh, idea. There is no other natural solution. Only Jesus can solve the problem of humanity because only Jesus can give life to dead things. You see, people may be able to pick you up. People may be able to dust you off. People may have been able to put a new pair of shoes on his feet, but he didn't just need new shoes. He needed new feet. And only Jesus can give life to dead feet. It's been said in the past that the hope of communism was that, uh, I believe uh, Karl Marx, I think, had said this, that the hope of communism or the vision was uh, every man in a new coat. But the problem was this, that what man needed wasn't just a new coat. We needed a new man in a coat. And only Jesus can give new life to dead things because only Jesus has defeated death once and for all. And so they said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Immediately he stood up to his feet and he went walking and leaping and praising God. And he went into the temple. In other words, that life that he had always been excluded from, that place of blessing and identity that he had always been on the outside of. Finally, he is in that place, life with God, life to the full. And he's leaping and he's dancing. And the Bible says that every person in the temple began to look around and say, isn't that the guy that we've seen for the last 40 years or the last maybe 30 years sitting at the gate begging? He's gone from begging to now he's bouncing, he's leaping, he's, he's running all over the place. And perhaps there was some there that were criticizing him. Perhaps there were some that thought he was just a disruption to their nice orderly service. But perhaps there were some that began to weep over the beauty of what had happened to this man who had been so broken, but now has experienced life the way that God has intended. He's been restored and healed. That's why the Bible says in the book of Malachi that those who fear his name, the name of Jesus, that the son of righteousness shall arise on us with healing in his wings and we shall go out and leap like calves let out of the stall. Uh, I know most of us probably can't relate to that, but perhaps if we lived in a, uh, a farming community, we would see that in the spring when the calves that have been born are let out to pasture for the first time and those that have been cooped up and limited, suddenly those little calves begin to bounce around. They begin to almost dance, so to speak. And I pray this, that we will never get tired of seeing the beauty of what the gospel can bring into the lives of people, of lives that have been transformed from brokenness into beauty. That's what God has called us to as a church. He's called us not just to go through religious routine. He's called us to be people that bridge the beauty of his presence, the beauty of his kingdom with the brokenness of our world. 
So how then shall we live? And and to borrow the phrase from Francis Schaeffer, what do we do? How can we be a bridge between the beauty that God is offering to humanity and the brokenness of our world? The first thing I want you to see is this. I believe that first it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Notice they were going to the place of prayer. They, they no longer had to go to the temple to make sacrifices, but they still went to the place of prayer. And it was as they were going to pray that they began to hear the cries of this broken man. And I believe the same is true for every one of us, that when we go to the place of prayer, God opens our ears to the brokenness of our world. You see, perhaps they on any other day would have seen him as just a a nuisance to be avoided, maybe a problem to be avoided. But because they were going to the place of prayer, they began to hear the cries of the world around them. And they began to see that man no longer just as a problem to be avoided, but a, a person to be saved. I believe it starts, number one, with prayer. Number two, it, not only does it start with prayer, but it's carried in our togetherness. Notice multiple times through this passage, it refers to Peter and John together. Peter says to the man, look at us. In other words, it wasn't just the Peter show. It wasn't just Peter's power. It was, it was the power together. It was the, a microcosm of the church together. And, you know, individually, they each had their own gifting. They each had their own personality. If you know who Peter and John are, you know that that John was sensitive. John was, was feeling. He was the one that, w- that was there with Jesus's mother when Jesus was crucified. He was compassionate towards those that were in need. And Peter, he was, he was bold. But if they had been by themselves, perhaps Peter would have just run right over the man in need. Perhaps John would have just sat with him and just had compassion, but not taken the boldness to step out. But Peter and John together, God used them. And I believe this, it's a picture of the reality that God wants to use us as a church, that we're better together. And even in this time when there's so much division and so much uh, things that can pull people apart, I believe that the world at this time needs a church that is together. A broken world needs a whole church. And it, it was sustained through their togetherness. The third thing I want you to see is not only did it start with prayer and carried with their togetherness, but the third thing is that it's released through our witness. If we want to be a bridge between the beauty of God's kingdom and the brokenness of our world, it is released through our witness. Imagine if they had just walked past him and ignored him and never opened their mouth. Imagine if they just said, we don't have silver and gold. We're just going to go on. Sorry, we can't help you. And how many times do we as followers of Jesus see the brokenness of our world and fail to bring the power of the gospel to that situation? How many times are we so quick to open our mouths for every other cause, but we go silent when it comes to the cause of Christ and the good news of the gospel? How many times do we hear of the brokenness of humanity and we just see the problems, but we never see the potential and the power of the gospel released into those problems? They spoke up boldly in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to speak the name of Jesus 
to speak the hope that there is in the good news of the gospel through Jesus Christ. If there's ever been a moment that our world needs the gospel, if there's ever been a moment that the world is crying out for help, now is the moment that we need to speak the name of Jesus. We need to share the gospel with people in need. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. They called him up. They spoke up to him. In other words, they didn't speak down to him. They called him up. You see, it doesn't take any faith to recognize the brokenness of our world. Sometimes we're quick to tweet, quick to comment, quick to point out all of the brokenness, all of the problems, but slow to call people to rise up. It doesn't take any faith to see the condition of the world. It does take faith to call people to the place that God has called them to, to rise up and walk, or we could say it this way, walk with me, follow me as I follow Christ. We need to speak. We need to speak the name of Jesus, call people to rise up from their brokenness, rise up from the condition that they're in and to follow Jesus, to step into that place, the beautiful gate uh, of the kingdom of God. That's what the church is called to be. We're called to be the bridge between the beauty of God's kingdom and the brokenness of our world. I hope even at this time, I hope our hearts are just stirred afresh with the power of the gospel, the goodness of the gospel. As we prepare to close today, I know perhaps there's some of you that you hear that and you think, Justin, I, I can't be a bridge. I, I don't have anything to give. Maybe you feel like you are still in that place of brokenness. I have good news for you. The Bible says this, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved or salvation is not just go to heaven when you die, although if that was all it is, I think that's good enough, but it's more than that. It's, it, it's healing, it's wholeness in your mind, your body, your relationships. It's entering into everything that God has for you. If you're in that place of brokenness today, the good news is there's hope in Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in that place of pain and brokenness and just getting by. Perhaps some of us today, we, we maybe are like Peter and John. We we're, we're rushing around with all of our activities, but maybe we're failing to hear the cry of the broken world we live in. And I believe that God is inviting us today. God is calling us today as a church to not just be consumed with our own programs, our own activities, but to be consumed with the brokenness of the world, to be the bridge between the brokenness of our world and the beauty of God's kingdom. I invite you, if you would, just to pray with me today. Father, I thank you today. Lord, even as we read this story, God, I thank you once again for the stirring of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And God, we pray that we would be people, Lord, that would hear the cry of the world around us. Lord, that we would be a bridge between the brokenness of our world and the beauty that you have called every one of us into through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for those today that maybe feel that they're in that place of brokenness still, still stuck, still falling again and again, living in that place that they've always been. Perhaps they've said, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do better this time. I'm going to be stronger this time. I can do this and only to find themselves once again disappointed. Father, I pray today that you would release your healing power, your saving power. In the name of Jesus, rise up 
and walk. And so, Father, we thank you for that today. We ask, God, that you would release that power of everything that you've made available to us through Jesus. We thank you for that. Lord, make us a bridge between the brokenness and the beauty, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And if you are, are one of those who, in this moment, you know that you've been in a place of brokenness, but you want to step into the place of faith in Jesus. We want to do everything we can to help you to experience life with God. If you just fill out the connection card on our website, we'd love to follow up with you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to help you to walk with us in everything that God has planned and purposed for us. So church, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take some time just to meditate on what God is speaking to you today through his word and through the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Have an awesome, awesome day.